You are listening to Pastor Fred Neal III of Harvest Community Church in Catanning, Pennsylvania, in his sermon entitled, Two Very Different Kinds of Wisdom, recorded on Sunday, March 5, 2017, based on James 3, 13-18. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org. Let's join Pastor Fred as he preaches. We are still in James. We're going to be in James 3. You've, uh, you've heard uh, the reading of James 3 now. I want to I want to uh, talk about two very different kinds of wisdom, and so I encourage you to get out your your map, your message application points, and follow along, and be prepared to fill in those blanks. But uh, before we get into the text, I have two of my favorite candy, uh, Hershey, one of my favorites. Um, nothing tops. Reese's peanut butter cups, especially uh, the Easter eggs, or I saw the the, the Easter bunnies in the store today. Nothing tops uh, the Reese's, but Hershey's is probably a close second. What if I were to tell you I want to give you these two Hershey bars? There's a catch. <laughs> One of them is just as you've always experienced Hershey's chocolate. It's wonderful and delightful. It will, it will make you praise God that he gave you taste buds. The other tastes just as good, looks just as good, smells just as good. In fact, there's, there's really no discernible difference between the two other than it has been laced with poison that will make you very, very sick. And I want to give them to you. What, we, what would you do? Would you accept them and eat them both to try to figure out which one was poisoned? Or perhaps would you say to me, I would like for you to give me the one that is not poisoned and you keep the poisoned one? How would you respond? Well, that's a strange scenario. But it's similar to the situation that James puts us in in our text in, in chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Let me read it for you again. And then let's take a closer look. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace." In this passage, James informs us of two very different kinds of wisdom. And he suggests that we put the wisdom that is among us to this test to see which of these two types of wisdom it really is. And he says that we will know which type of wisdom it is by the fruit or by the results of that wisdom. So we're going to look at these two different types of wisdom, and then we're going to ask ourselves, what are we supposed to do in light of this? And we'll see a very clear answer in Scripture. First of all, what is wisdom? 
Well, James uses this word here in a very general sense. It's the sense of somebody who's, who has understanding, somebody who has knowledge. James seems to have in mind a general understanding of the things of life and how, how this all works. Who is wise and understanding among you? Who gets it? Who is able to teach and explain spiritual things and advise others on the proper way to live and the proper way to understand or relate to God. And so he has in mind this, this general sense of wisdom. It's the understanding of how life works, of, of how we are to live. Someone who could advise others. Certainly a spiritual understanding for sure. So he poses the question, who is wise and understanding among you? and immediately challenges those who would say that they are to prove it with their actions. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. James, just like he did with faith, wants us to test wisdom, to test the person who claims to have understanding or knowledge, those who want to teach others, will test them. See if the wisdom that they have is the wisdom that comes from above or a very different type of wisdom. And those are the two options that he presents. So you see the first thing on your map is that wisdom should be tested by examining its fruit. The test, whether or not your wisdom produces the proper fruit, that's the test. If if your wisdom comes from God, it will produce godly fruit. If your wisdom comes not from God, but from another place, which he'll describe in a moment that we'll look at together, then it will produce very sinful and unspiritual fruit. He says, Here's how we define this good conduct done in the meekness, or you could say humility, that true wisdom brings. That's what we are to look for. Does this person who claims to be wise, do we? Do we who claim to be wise, who claim to understand, who claim to know how things work, who claim to have spiritual knowledge, does that wisdom produce the pop? proper fruit? Does it produce the humility and the good works that James describes here? But we'll come back to that because he wants to turn and describe now the other kind of wisdom. In verse 14, he says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. There is a type of wisdom that could be rightly labeled as hellish wisdom. From above comes heavenly wisdom, the kind of wisdom that that God, our Father in heaven, gives to us. But from below, there's this hellish wisdom, as James describes. Wisdom that not, not... the wisdom that comes down from above, but is rather earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Those three words remind us Christians of our triune enemy, the world, the flesh, and the devil. 
as Christians, we're, we're constantly reminded that in, in every turn, we are engaged in a spiritual battle that involves the world that we live in, in this system, our flesh, which is our sinful nature, and the devil and his demonic forces. This is our triune enemy. This is what we wage war against in the spiritual every day. And James says, this is where this other kind of wisdom comes from. The world, first of all, the world is the the order and the way of doing things in our society, in our culture. It's, It's just this rebellious attitude that we don't need God, that we are self-sufficient apart from him, and that he is opposed to us, and we must resist him. The world is a sworn enemy of our Father in heaven's heavenly kingdom. It is, And that's not to say that everything in the world is evil or that everything in the world is wrong, but the world that we live in is the sworn enemy of the kingdom of God. You could think of it this way. The nation of Iran is a sworn enemy of the United States of America. Their leaders say as much. They lead rallies and they protest America and they chant death to America. They are our sworn enemy. They oppose the U.S. on very foundational and fundamental grounds. But that doesn't mean everything in Iran and everything that Iranians do or that all of the Iranian people are bad, does it? No, there's plenty of things that they do that we would agree with or even say are good things to do. But at the foundational level, there are sworn enemy. So it is between the world and the kingdom of God. The world is the sworn enemy of the kingdom of God. And even though we see good things in the world, even though we see things that we can agree with, At the foundational level, this world is at war with God. And we as believers participate in this warfare. This wisdom is not only earthly, it is unspiritual, James says. In Scripture, we are reminded of the constant battle between our spirit and our flesh. Paul talks often about this battle against the flesh, against the sinful nature. Our flesh is is the Bible's way of describing the desires that we have that are contrary to God's will. The desires that are within us to sin and to rebel against him, to resist the Holy Spirit. There's this battle between flesh and spirit that is ongoing. James says there's a type of wisdom that comes from the world and also comes from the The flesh, it is unspiritual. And finally, he says, it is demonic. This is our third enemy in the Christian life and ultimately the source and influencer of the other two, the devil himself and all of his demonic forces. So there's two types of wisdom. One that comes from above, which we'll get into in just a a moment, but there's one that comes from somewhere very different. It is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. But here's, here's the, the tricky thing. These two types of wisdom come to us looking very similar. The two types of wisdom that, that James is talking about, they don't, 
they don't identify themselves necessarily at, at the outset. We can acquire wisdom. We can attain knowledge thinking that we have attained one type of wisdom only, have, only to find out that we have, we have swallowed poison. And we know this, James tells us, by the fruit, by the result, by what happens afterwards, by how this thing turns out. And so if there's these two types of wisdom, which, which one do you want? This first kind of wisdom, which is, is like the poison chocolate bar, which will make you sick, which will lead to all kinds of sinful things? Or do you want the wisdom that comes from God? Because, and here's the next thing on your map, the wisdom you attain will either lead you towards Christ or away from him. And so what James is pointing us to here is a reality in the Christian life that even if it sounds extreme, even if it sounds even if it sounds like maybe a, a little too much. The reality is, is that everything in our lives, including wisdom, and including attaining knowledge, including understanding spiritual things, comes from one of two sources, heaven or hell, and ultimately points us in one of two directions, towards Christ or away from him. Everything, including wisdom, ultimately helps us accomplish either the will of God or the will of the devil himself. And Satan's agenda is to pull us away from God. And so James has a test that he wants to subject our wisdom to. And he says, let's take the wisdom that's being spread amongst you. He's talking to the church. And so we can, we can, we can apply this to our, our own situation, to our own church life. Let's, let's take the wisdom that's being spread amongst you and let's see where it's coming from. Where is this wisdom from, James wants us to ask. Here's how we'll know. Verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts... There's your sign. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, then you have eaten the wrong chocolate. You have taken in the wrong wisdom because wisdom that comes from above does not lead to those things, but wisdom that comes from below always leads to bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in the hearts of those who consume it. And so he says, do not boast and be false to the truth. For it's not accomplishing our Father's agenda of bringing people closer to Him. It is, in fact, accomplishing the demonic agenda of pulling people away from the Lord. One of my mentors in Bible college had a saying that he would remind us of often. He would say, You're either leading people to heaven or you're leading people to hell. There's really no in-between when we stop and think about it. And this is what I mean by, by James is saying something here that sounds perhaps a little extreme. We like to think there's this neutral ground in life. Yeah, sometimes I do really good things that, that help 
advance God's agenda. And sometimes I probably do some bad things that maybe help even advance Satan's agenda. But most of the time, I'm just on this neutral ground in life. There is no such thing. And so it is with wisdom. The wisdom that you attain, the wisdom that you receive and consume and apply to your life, it's, it's, it's one or the other. It's either from God or it's from the devil. It's either from above or it's from below. It's the product of the world and the flesh and the devil. And you can, you can find out which you have received by the fruit that it is producing. If it has produced bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, then do not boast. You have not become wise by God's standards, but by the world's. Then he goes on to say, for, wherever, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vow practice. This is absolutely true. This is absolutely true. Ask any pastor or church leader you know if they've ever seen someone's study of theology make them a worse Christian. And they can all give you a list of names of people who have done just that. Not that they would. Not that a pastor would do such a thing. But if you ask any pastor, I promise you, they will think of people in their minds who they have seen go down that very road. You can actually get smarter scripturally and become a worse Christian. You can, you can actually get to know the Bible better and yet work to accomplish Satan's agenda in the process. This is true. It happens all the time. Apparently, James was aware of this. He had seen it happen in some of the churches that he had worked with. He knew Christians who claimed to be wise who claimed to have understanding, who had promoted themselves as teachers and as mature Christians. Yet the fruit of their wisdom was bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And then what follows? Disorder in every vile practice. This is the trick. This is the deception that James wants us to be aware of. It looks like Hershey's chocolate. It smells like Hershey's chocolate. It tastes, praise the Lord, it tastes like Hershey's chocolate. Yet it makes you sick. And it poisons you. And so James says, let's test it. Let's, there's some tests that we can run. So what are we supposed to do? Are we, as what we're saying here is that if you study if you learn, if you become more knowledgeable, if you try to attain wisdom for your spiritual life, or perhaps for even teaching and leading others, that you will become more sinful? Is that what we're saying? Of course not. There are two types of wisdom, two very different kinds of wisdom. There is a wisdom that comes from above and has a very different result. There is a wisdom that comes from God that he wants his people to have. God does not want 
ignorant children. He wants us to learn and to study and to understand and to become knowledgeable in all things, especially in spiritual things. And so James says in verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure. Think back to my my two chocolate bars. What's the most important thing about these two bars? One of them is pure. One of them does not contain contaminants. One of them will not make you sick. One of them is just going to be delightful and enjoyable and a blessing to you. By the way, I'm going to eat these after the service, both of them. And, 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 one, of, and, and they're not, one of them is not truly poison. I'll prove it after the service. They're, oh, it's killing me that they're sitting. Do you mind? Maybe I could just eat one now. <laughs> But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And so the idea here that James is presenting to us is not that we should not seek wisdom. We should seek wisdom. We should want to know more, to understand better, to get a, a better grasp of the word and the world that God has placed us in. It is good to want wisdom. Just make sure you're getting the right kind. Just make sure you're getting the kind that comes from above because it's pure, it's peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. But first of all, pure. As much as hellish wisdom, if you'll allow me to call it that, as much as hellish wisdom may look attractive, may seem to be the same thing, may may even disguise itself as heavenly wisdom, it is not pure. It is tainted. It is harmful. But this this wisdom from above, it's pure. It has none of those bad things in it. It has none of the bad qualities. Remember, in chapter 1, James told us that every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Well, this wisdom he speaks of now is one of those good and perfect gifts that comes down from the Father above. And that's why he says, he says also in, in chapter 1 and verse 21, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Wisdom is good. It has a good effect on you. If it's the right kind, if it comes from the right place. So James wants us to see, this is the next thing on your map, wisdom from above always produces godly fruit. Wisdom from above always produces godly fruit. It's pure, James says. It's, he also says it's peaceable and gentle and open to reason. These are extremely important traits of true wisdom. People full of fraudulent wisdom want to fight and die on every hill. True wisdom prefers peace with others when it comes to things that aren't essential for salvation. People who have received true wisdom are easy to converse with. People who are full of fraudulent wisdom don't converse, they confront and they fight. 
They think everyone is a heretic who doesn't agree with them on everything. They find themselves with a very small circle of people whom they can associate with. They are divisive and harsh and unreasonable. Are you beginning to see the difference between these two wisdoms? It's the fruit that is produced by that person's life that tells you which kind of wisdom they have. People who want to fight about everything, is that, are they accomplishing God's will or the devil's? People who are divisive and always want to confront every little thing, are, is that what God is trying to accomplish or the devil? You see, there's two very different kinds of wisdom. Something that comes to mind when I, when I read this phrase, open to reason. I love to see that in there. That's very affirming in my own life. It's our, it's our practice here at Harvest that, to try to practice this type of wisdom, the type of wisdom that is open to reason. But in contrast to that, it's it's been my experience in, in some church cultures that wisdom isn't always open to reason. There's more of this every, everything, I don't know how to, how to say this without, without maybe stepping on some toes, but everything sort of carries this thus saith the Lord weight to it. And so leaders, leaders lead by I, I have a word from God, and I have this on the authority of the Lord himself on every issue. It could be the kind of carpet that we're, we're thinking about installing, or, or what color to paint the walls, or should, should we get new, uh, new seats in the sanctuary. Every issue, someone's heard from the Lord, that's a very difficult environment to be in. I find that to be contrary to what James is describing here as true wisdom, wisdom that comes from above. Or it can even carry over into more important matters. Bigger topics, things like should we add another service? Should we launch a new campus? What I, one of the things I love about the leadership team here at Harvest is that it's full of reasonable men. And our, and our conversations are always open to reason. You won't walk into an elders meeting here at Harvest and find somebody pounding their fist on the table saying, I heard from the Lord and everybody else has to listen to what I want to do. No, we're open to reason. Just like James says we should be. I was watching a video of a pastor online this week who, and, and again, I, I'm... I'm I, I'm going to be a little nitpicky here. Would you just give me the grace to be a little nitpicky here? And if this bothers you, just, just give, show me some kindness. I was, I was watching this pastor, and he's talking about he was reading his Bible. And he was in one part of, of the Bible, and he, he, he said, The Holy Spirit told me to read Revelations. And so I went to Revelations, he said, and I read two chapters and something happened and I got distracted and I, I had to stop reading and, and I forgot about it. And a couple weeks later, the Holy Spirit, almost yelling at me, said, read Revelations. And so he went back and he picked up where he left off in Revelations and he began reading again. And then all of a sudden, bam, something hit him and he had a word from the Lord. 
when I hear this kind of talk, red flags start to go up. It's not that I'm not, I can't listen to a pastor like that. I can listen and I can learn. And, and certainly I have my own issues and my own faults. I'm, I'm not saying I'm a better pastor than he is. But I have lots of issues. One, Revelations is not even a book in the Bible. Just like Matthew's isn't and Mark's isn't and Act isn't. Some books of the Bible have S's at the end of them, and some of them don't, and I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit knows which ones do and which ones don't. And so when the Holy Spirit tells you to read Revelations, that's probably not the Holy Spirit. He may suggest you go read Revelation, but never Revelations. And so there's, there's one flag. And then, you know, the whole, the whole idea of once I listen to the Holy Spirit, then boom, fireworks were just going off. Well, here's the thing, guys. Every page of the Bible is the living, active, inspired word of God. And so there are going to be times where we're just doing our daily Bible reading, and yeah, lights are coming on, and God is speaking to us. That's the normal Christian experience, is that God would speak to us through the word. And so I just get uncomfortable with that culture. Now, if you've never been in that, submersed in that church culture where everything is a word from the Lord and everything is thus saith the Lord and everything is the Holy Spirit was speaking to me this morning, then you may not have that reaction and you may think I'm overreacting. But I've been there. I've been in that culture where everything carries that kind of weight. And so here, you know, here at Harvest, we, we like to refer, what we refer to as sanctified wisdom. That's what we seek. Sanctified wisdom. When we need to make a decision, we have rational conversation. And we don't just bow our heads and wait for lightning to hit somebody and for them to know what the Lord wants us to do. We talk and we discuss and we're open to reason and we're gentle, and we're peaceable, and we don't demand our own way. At least that's our goal. That's what we strive for. And, and i got to tell you, that's, that's the way it, it normally works here. And I'm thankful for that. And there's biblical basis for this, by the way. Let me, t- let me show you something real quick here. I know I'm taking up a lot of time on this, but I want to show you this. In the early church, there was a discussion among the early church leaders in Jerusalem regarding what to do with the Gentile believers. So you have Christianity started among a bunch of Jewish people, and now Gentiles, non-Jews, are joining them in the Christian Christian faith. And they're asking themselves important questions like, well, what do we do? Do they need to be circumcised? Do they need to follow the Mosaic law? Do they need to become Jews in, in other ways? And so they're asking themselves these important questions questions and they have this discussion and they come to the conclusion that they don't need to be circumcised nor keep the Mosaic law. And then it says in Acts 15, 22 through 29, let me read this. I want to emphasize a couple of lines here. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers with the following letter. 
This is what the letter says. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord to choose men and to send them with you, send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. And then it goes on from there. I'll stop right there. It seemed good to us, the apostles and the elders with the whole church, they said. Then he says again, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, how did they come to one accord? I assume through rational and reasonable discussion with one another, including prayer, of course. And then he says in verse 28, for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Now, God speaks, God can speak in any way he wants. He can, he can reveal his will in dramatic ways. He can, I would never put God in a box. He can he can strike you with lightning. He can hit you over the head. He can speak to you in audible voice. But I think by and large, we should expect what we refer to as sanctified wisdom. That we, following in, in the will of the Lord as believers, should be able to discern what seems good. What seems good to us, what seems to be the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, all of this is not to say that God never reveals himself in dramatic ways, just that wisdom that comes from above, this is what James says, is peaceable, gentle, and open to reason. Wisdom that comes from below is divisive and, is, and insists on its own way, insists that somebody follow. Wisdom that comes from above Peaceable, gentle, and open to reason. Furthermore, he gone. Let's, let's move on now. Furthermore, this wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. Wisdom from above produces good fruits. This is what James has been telling us in this whole section, right? That's the main point here. You'll know that it's wisdom from above by the fruit that it produces, if it produces good fruit. And then in verse, oh, we go back to verse 13. I want to look at this again. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good deeds. So if you claim to be wise and understanding, if you claim to have spiritual knowledge or insight, then by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. That's a beautiful picture of what wisdom should look like in our lives. That through meekness and humility. Also wisdom from above is impartial and sincere. That's the last phrase that he uses in verse 17. You see it there. But the wisdom from above, first pure, so on. And is impartial and sincere. James has already shown us that partiality is out of place in the Christian life. You remember that from earlier in James. 
and that true faith must be sincere. If you just go back to chapter 2, true faith must be sincere. And so these things are true of wisdom as well. So it's no surprise to see those characteristics appear here. And finally, James says, and the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, verse 18 is difficult. Translations go two different directions in translating this sentence. Okay, if you look at the NIV, you'll see it's worded somewhat differently. It kind of conveys a little bit different of a meaning. Having looked at that the best I could, which isn't real good, but having read uh, people that, that know a lot more about this kind of thing than I do, I think that what this is saying here is that wisdom that is from above will produce righteousness. And so I don't think there's anything new in verse 18. I think he's just restating what the case that he's been making. Wisdom from above produces righteousness. You will harvest righteousness from the wisdom that God gives. So James has painted this picture of a strong contrast between fraudulent and true wisdom. One advances the agenda of hell, the other advances the agenda of heaven. One results in all kinds of sin, the other results in a harvest of righteousness. Now the question remains, what are we to do? Cross our fingers, hope that we get the right kind of wisdom, hope that God gives us the right chocolate bar and not the wrong one. Fortunately, James has already answered this question for us. What we are to do is found in James 1, verse 5. Let's look at it together. In 1, verse 5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And then listen to this beautiful phrase, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. James has already told us what to do. He's just coming back to this subject of wisdom in chapter 3. He's already introduced us to this in chapter 1 in what we are to do. And now he's telling us why we are to do this. You don't want to have the wrong kind of wisdom, but it's not as complicated as you might fear it would be. You must simply ask God. He gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to you. This is so freeing to me. This is so good to know that if I need to know something, if I need to have understanding, if I need to, if I need to make a decision, I just need to ask God. And then just trust that he's going to make it, make it known to me what I need to know. I have used this so many times in my life. Raising a daughter with special needs. Some of you probably already know my daughter has cerebral palsy and autism. She suffered a, a brain injury prior to birth. Man, we've had so many decisions to make in the last, the last eight years of our lives. And sometimes it, you just feel like this is a weighty decision. Which way we go here is going to make a big difference in her life one way or the other, and it's not real clear. It's not like door number one's good, door number two's bad. It's like, we don't, we don't know. We're just going to ask God to lead us, and then we're just going to do what seems 
seems right, what seems reasonable, with the, make the best decision with the information that we have. And so that when I read James 1 and read James 3, all of that makes sense to me because that's, that's just the freedom that God gives to us. If you need wisdom, ask him for it. If you need to know more about him, if you need to make an important decision, if you just want to learn and grow in, in Christian maturity, ask God. He gives generously. He loves to give this to his children. He wants us to have it. He loves to pour out wisdom on his people. So ask him. The last thing you see on your map, wisdom from above is a gift. Sorry, I think I'm I'm missing an A there. Wisdom from above is a gift that God generously gives to his children who ask for it with a pure heart. What a good God. What a good father. A father who, who just says, look, I know you need this. Here it is. I'm just waiting for you to ask. Ask him. Proverbs 2, 6 reminds us that it is the Lord who gives wisdom. You want to know him more. You want to understand his purpose for your life. You want to, you want to be spiritually mature. Ask God and trust him to give it to you. And then just Keep living what seems to be a reasonable Christian life. Let him direct you. Let him lead you. Let him be the God of your life. So today, having considered these two opposing types of wisdom, which do you desire? Do you want the one that comes from the world, the flesh and the devil that's going to lead you into sin, that's going to do damage to the ones around you, or, this is a tough decision, (laughs) do you want the wisdom from above? The wisdom that God gives. The wisdom that if we ask him, he gives generously to us. If you want it, ask him for it. If you want it, seek him for it. I don't take this to negate the need to study, to to apply ourselves intellectually. I take this to mean that if we study and apply ourselves intellectually, all the while asking God to give, Lord, don't let me attain earthly wisdom. Lord, don't let me attain wisdom that will accomplish the agenda of the devil. Lord, as I study, as I seek you, as I want to learn more, as I apply myself to learn more, give me wisdom from above. Give me this godly wisdom that produces godly fruit. Let's ask him together for this wisdom. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.